Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Medic Filter. Sit back, relax, and join me, Pre, and my buddy Sunny as we break down self-actualization, self-improvement, and what it means to be more than a medic. Let's jump into it. What's up, Sonny? How are you doing? I'm well, Prithvi. How are you? Yeah, not much happening this week. I think we'll get right into it this episode because we actually, for everyone, we've actually already shot this podcast episode. Sonny, tell us about that. Um, so uh, Prithvi and I sat down uh, last night and we've actually filmed this episode, but we ended up filming an episode that was an hour and 10 minutes or 20 minutes long and uh we we thought we should probably condense the episode down and re-record it to something that's probably in a bit more of a digestible manner yeah yeah so this is pretty much a very distilled straight to the point version of our extended video so what is the topic today that we're going to talk about we want to look at what the ultimate diet really is you know what's the king of diet wow Mm. Okay. So, Tell me more. you know, let's let's start this off. Let's start this off by a couple of quick true or false questions, you know. Yeah, right. So, first question, dietary fat equals to body fat. So, the fat that you consume in your diet is the fat that you put on in your body. True or false? Now, let's break this down, Sunny. What do you think? Well, I'm going to have to say false, Prithvi. Um, <laughs> no, no deal. <laughs> no deal here, Prithvi. I'm not taking this one. But um, we, the, the reason why is that your, your dietary fat isn't always broken down and stored as your body fat. Usually, it's actually your carbohydrates that are broken down. Prithvi, you want to tell us a bit more about why? Yeah, yeah. We're going to put on our medical hats now, use our two cents, two brain cells that we've recovered from medical school, and we'll jump into that. So basics of... And, and food... of those two brain cells, of those two brain cells, only one of them is still remaining. I've lost <laughs> one of them in the, in the last four years. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about those, we're talking about biochemistry here and diet. And the key point here is carbohydrates, fats proteins, they're all carbon skeleton compounds. And what happens in the body is they're broken down into smaller units and they all broken down and they converge at one single pathway where they all form this molecule that goes by the name acetyl-CoA, which is this basic carbon skeleton molecule. And that molecule can be stored as fat or it can be used as energy, ATP energy in your cells, right? For your functions. The key point here is it's not just fat that converges down that pathway for storage, but it is also another major culprit and important food group, which is your carbohydrates. And just from experience, one thing I found was whenever I ate a ton of carbs, so I'm talking like, you know, midnight cereal, Milo, liter of milk, that sugar, if anything, contributed to body fat buildup more than having uh, Greek yogurt, which if you look at the nutrient labels is very high in fat. For sure, for sure. And um, for those that don't know Prithvi well, he's obsessed with Milo. 
So if, if <laughs> you're like, who the hell would wake up? <laughs> if, you're, if you're thinking who the hell was going to wake up in the middle of the night and eat Milo, it's definitely Crispy. Guys, like, I will send you risk. my address. If you'll buy me Milo boxes for, for as a... <laughs> As a patriotic viewer, I am I'm down for that. I will send you my PO box, everything. <laughs> so, Privy, this brings me to our next true or false question. So you've just mentioned that carbs actually have a role in body fat. So does this mean, true or false, that carbs are bad? Like if you want to lose weight, you have to have to eliminate the carbs. Is that true? Eliminate carbs. I don't know, man. I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna have to say I'm not a I'm not a fan of that that myth. No deal. I think that's is, false. Is this because you don't get to eat your Milo? <laughs> Any, <laughs> anything to support my Milo eating habits. It, it, you're, you're on the money here, Prithvi, because um, carbs, whilst it is true that they can contribute to your body fat, it brings back this um, cornerstone idea of mine that there are no bad macronutrients. Carbs mm. are not the enemy here. Mm. Um, carbs, like protein, like fats, serve an extremely important role in your body. For example, your carbs are involved in cognitive function. It's your brain's primary fuel source. Uh, likewise, even your muscles rely heavily on carbohydrates as a, as a source of energy. If you're going to the gym and you're going to lift some weights, your body is looking to carbs to be able to fuel that workout. So carbs are not the enemy here. Don't view them as the bad guy. And likewise, what we were discussing before about dietary fat, fats are very, very important in our body as well. Um, you, uh, one thing that you know, I only found out once I got to med school was fats are actually one of the, one of the starting points for the synthesis of a lot of hormones and um, uh, components of our cell membrane, things that help us function. For example, uh, testosterone which is um, one of those holy grail kind of hormones that every bodybuilder body now. <laughs> <laughs> so testosterone is actually synthesized from fats. Um, fats provide the backbone for testosterone synthesis. So if, it, and there's numerous studies out there that have, that have actually said that people that tend to consume more dietary fat tend to also have a higher level of testosterone production. So yes. if anything, if you want to build more muscle out there in the gym, having a component of fat in your diet is necessary. But yeah. there are a couple of fats that you should stay away from. These are your saturated fats and your trans fats. This is why, you know, we say don't go, because you could equally come back to us and say, hey, pretty sunny. If you're saying I should eat, I can eat fat. Why can't I go have that Macca's? Why can't I go to Hungry Jacks and have a, have, have a large fright because the fats that they're using to cook their food are what we call trans fats. Now, trans fats have a different structure chemically to your saturated and unsaturated fats. And so when you eat that, your body doesn't know how to deal with it. It just goes into non-compute mode and it's, uh, it's shocked. So what it usually does is it just takes it, absorbs it and stores it. It doesn't know how to break it down. And it doesn't know how to process it. And this is why it's bad because this fat will go sit in your blood vessels. It will go sit around your visceral organs. And this is why it's, it's got bad effects on your health. But there's equally fats out there that are really good for you, like your omega-3 fats, which are important for brain function. So 
privy. Do you have anything to say on that as well? No, I think you've nailed it. Literally today, big day, hospital finished a bit later. First thing I did was I got some some Lebanese bread and put some peanut butter over it and downed it as a snack. And, you know, peanut butter is really high in fats, but it's good fats. So it is very important. And the interesting thing is I was really interested in how to peak my muscle mass as a natural weightlifter. And looking at all the research, one of the biggest points of evidence for boosting your testosterone naturally was to be on a caloric surplus, aka consuming more macronutrients like fats than you need. And that slight increase in fats, what that did was it increased your testosterone levels. And that eventually resulted in more muscle mass for athletes in this in the study that I looked at. So that was really cool. So I guess key point here, fats are super important for hormone production and testosterone, but stay away from saturated fats. That's the TLDR that I that I pretty much follow every single day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it goes back to that cornerstone point that every single macronutrient that we're consuming, there's no bad or good guys here. They all serve a very, very important function in our body. So we shouldn't be discriminating against, you know, your macronutrients. Um, but this leads me into kind of the final macronutrient in my eyes. Um, here's a question, Prizzy, you, you, you tell me, how much protein do I have to have to build muscle at the gym? Mm, this is a big question that I think a lot of people have struggled to answer. And there isn't good consensus about what the amount of protein is. So how much protein should you have in your diet? And I guess the first thing you have to realize is this depends on whether you're a weightlifter or an athlete or a normal sedentary person. So if you're a normal sedentary person, if you look at the guidelines, literally more than 50 grams, but I'm assuming everyone who's tuned into this point is a bit conscious of their health, does a bit of exercise. And in that case, you'd want to stick to 1.2 to 1.7 grams of protein per kilogram. Now, all this is a fancy number. What I stick to with my everyday diet is I stick to about one gram, give or take a bit, per pound of my body weight. So I'm about 200 pounds. So I try to have about 170 grams, 160 grams of protein, all the way up to 200 grams of protein. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and the reason why I ask this question is because one of the diets I've come across in my time are... Uh, diets that encourage a high protein intake, high protein, low carb kind of intake. And the rationale behind these diets are if you're taking in low carb, you're going to drive your body to eliminate that body fat as an alternative fuel source. And the reason why for the high protein is when you exercise, you're going to be building a lot of muscle. But the point I want to make here is having excessive amounts of protein isn't the solution. Like if, if as Prithvi, you've just mentioned having 200 grams of um, protein per pound, sorry, um, 200 grams of protein for 200 pound cells. If you were to go and have three, 400 grams of protein a day, Oof. which is an excessive amount of protein. For first, I feel sorry for my toilet, cup. but um, yeah, <laughs> I don't think anyone should be having that much. Sheesh. Exactly. Because having more protein isn't necessarily going to contribute to more muscle building. You're not going to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger tomorrow by having 400 grams of protein in the day, because you have to consider the fact that your body still has to absorb 
and your body will only absorb the amount of nutrient it needs. The remainder is waste. Um, it's the same thing with vitamins. Um, if you just because the 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 slip on the front says two tablets a day, you're not going to get added benefit by having ten of those tablets because your body will only absorb the amount it needs. The rest of it is waste. But the problem with protein is it's actually broken down for the large part in the later parts of the small intestine and the large intestine. That's where it's broken down. And when you have more and more of it, the transit of your food through that large intestine, your motility tends to go down. And what happens there is you start feeling things like constipation because you can't, your, your motility is reduced. Your food spends a lot more time in the large, larger, the, the more distal parts of your intestinal tract. The other part, the other factor here is the metabolization of protein in your gut. Uh, actually produces a lot of gas as a byproduct. So you're going to find you feel a lot, uh, feel very bloated, abdominal pain. You qu feel quite heavy. Now, if you'd have, you were to walk into a gastroenterology clinic and say, I've been feeling constipated, I've been feeling bloated, and I've been feeling a bit of abdominal pain and discomfort, those are symptoms that would warrant further investigation and would probably warrant a diagnosis. And if anything, it would probably warrant at least some medical attention. Now, any diet that will tell you that experiencing those symptoms is normal, if not healthy, is flawed, is fundamentally flawed. So the, the reason why I bring it up at this crucial point is just to say that having a good amount of protein in your diet is necessary. It's necessary not just for muscle building, it's necessary for enzyme function. It's necessary as you know, a catalyst for so many reactions in your body. It's necessary for the structural components of your body, your, your skin, your hair. They all involve protein in some way or shape or form. So on a structural level, on a functional level, proteins serve a very important role. So having the right amount of protein is good, but having too much as well is not the answer. Yeah, great points. Great points. I think that also falls into your, your cornerstone, our cornerstone principle about proportion, which we're going to talk about really soon. Now, I just want to go on a bit of an aside and talk a bit about a few things that I wanted to cover too. With dietary fat, one of the other very important things is, if you guys didn't know, because you are listening to this probably as a podcast, we are brown and brown people need vitamin D because we need it to absorb calcium. And it's harder for us to get vitamin D. So something that we usually have to do is when we have vitamin D to have it alongside fats, because another very important role of fats is the absorption of fat soluble vitamins, A, D, E, K, etc. Right. So it's so important to have fats in that context. The other thing is regarding the point that we mentioned for carbs being bad, there are pros and cons here. And carbs are so, so important. As Sunny mentioned, it's so important for your muscle cells, for nutrients. You want to have a good gym sesh without it. And your brain uses it as its only source of fuel. You give it fats, it says nah. You give it proteins, nah, right? It only uses the glucose. So for carbs, what we found is it's not the carbs and cutting carbs that will help you lose weight. It is simply calories. And for everyone who doesn't really understand what calories are, it's a unit of energy. Uh, from what I recall, it's one gram of protein and one gram of carbs is about four calories, whereas one gram of fat, since it's a more energy-dense source, is about nine calories. Now, the interesting thing is it's very easy for your body to overeat the carbs. 
And the goal of weight maintenance or weight loss, it's very simple. It's ins and outs, right? So it's simply about being on a caloric maintenance or caloric deficit, which is eating less calories than you put out. And for that, people have found that, you know, reducing your carb intake helps them go on a caloric deficit, which is the whole goal of losing weight. But what we're also trying to say is you don't need to have to cut carbs. You can still eat good carbs and simply overall, if your calories are less than what you put out, even though you eat carbs, you will lose weight. But hold on, tell me about um, a diet. Let's talk about keto. Um, The keto diet. The keto diet is, for, for our viewers that don't know what keto is, it's essentially a diet where you eliminate the consumption of carbohydrates. You rely on fats and protein, more so fats in this case, because it's easier to extract energy from fat than it it's is. It's insane, man. They literally eat butter. Literally, they'll just like put butter on like ton of butter and egg. Just down that stuff. Yeah. One of my one of my best mates follows keto, keto diets, and he um, uh, uh, sometimes his diet looks nothing but eggs <laughs> and spinach. Um, and it's, it, it is a struggle to follow, but obviously the, the rationale behind eliminating carbs completely in this diet is because they want to switch the body's fuel source to something else like fats or protein. And if you limit the consumption of carbs, if you eliminate the consumption of carbs altogether, you start to use the stored kind of fat as your energy source. You're trying to develop that deficit. Like Prithvi just said, by eliminating carbs, it becomes a lot easier to create that deficit. But Prithvi, do you have anything to say? So obviously there's pros on keto. There is pros. Oh, it works. It works. It, yeah. it, it will work. If you do keto for a couple of months, you will lose tremendous amounts of weight. However, there are ramifications if not done correctly as well in that, you know, if you're not taking those carbs in, your your brain won't be able, like Prithvi just mentioned, the... Um, brain relies on carbohydrates as its primary fuel source a lot of people that will go through keto will say they feel tired they feel lethargic they feel fatigued headaches. if done yeah. headaches and some people will find that they can't think straight they can't remember things they'll oh, find that they have a lot of keto. brain fog mm. so you some people won't uh, some people that are following keto won't be able to power through their workouts as effectively however there's also equally people out there that are able to do keto and still function, still be able to hit the gym and look in amazing shape. But it is about, it is about saying that it is not a one-size-fits-all formula here. Mm. It is about what works for you. And before you jump into a diet like keto, like high-protein, low-carb, before you jump into it, it's about properly knowing your body and understanding the diet and whether it actually fits for you. Because you don't have to do it to lose weight. And if anything, you can still eat your carbs and lose weight. It's all right. It's just about proportions here. But um, Prithvi, what are your views on, 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 on keto? Yeah, I think for, for people who don't have a medical background, I'm sorry for all the fellow medical students watching this. I don't want to be the lecturer here. But the way your body works is it will first use up its glucose stores. So all the sugar and the carbs that you've eaten, then it will start to break down fats. And after that, it will start breaking down its own tissues, including muscle tissue. And you don't want to get to that point of starvation. Now, the logic of keto is if you take the glucose out, right, there is no more carbohydrates or glucose as an energy source, your body will have to switch 
to burning the fat that it's stored. And the reason we use the word keto is because when you switch to fat storage, one thing we said was the brain is super picky. It only uses glucose. So what happens is the body will break down fats, take it to the liver and make this very interesting, sweet smelling substance that's acidic that goes by the name of ketones and hence the word keto diet. It's very weird. They have like the ketone breath, which we talk about, which is a whole sweet smelling odor, et cetera. But uh, that's the logic behind the keto diet. And the reason it works is not because you've cut down the carbs. Like we just said, it's because since you've cut down carbs, it's very easy to be on a caloric deficit. So I guess if everyone forgets everything in this entire podcast, one very important point is to lose weight. It is about in versus out being on a caloric deficit. For sure. But can you tell me a bit more about, tell me, what do you mean by calorie deficit? What do you mean by calories? Mm, Good point. Good point. So again, yeah, as we said, calories are that energy source that we're talking about where gram of protein carbs is four calories. Fat is nine to find your caloric maintenance. There are two ways you can do it. And I'll talk about what I did and what you can literally do right after this podcast is there are so many formulas where you can just put in your height, your weight, the amount of physical activity you do, and it'll pump out a, a vague number as to the amount of calories you should be eating. Now, what I personally did was I used those calculators, found the maintenance calories, and I bought two things. I got a fitness calorie app and I got a weighing scale. And just for a week, I just wanted to experiment. What is my maintenance calorie? So if I had maintained my weight How much do I have to eat? And once I got that number, I got a decent idea of how much I needed to be eating to maintain that weight. And trust me, I don't don't measure any calories now, but since I measured it that one time, I kind of know what my maintenance is. So it's very easy for me to go, okay, if I want to lose weight, I cut a little bit off that. If I want to gain weight, I eat a little bit more. And I guess the cutoffs there are about 100 to 500 calories you can take off per day to lose weight or you can add on per day to gain weight. So that's a good caloric surplus or deficit. For sure, for sure. But the one thing that I want to raise here is having extreme deficits. So like Prithvi had mentioned, anywhere between 100 to 500 calories off your maintenance. So let me give you this in numbers. Let's say your maintenance calories, and this is done by either you experimenting and finding out what your maintenance is, or you jumping on a calculator online and finding out whatever way you use to find out ballpark, what your calorie maintenance calories are. If you go 100 to 500, that's healthy below that. So say it's 2,500 and you eat 2,000 calories, that's fine. But if you then jump that down and only eat 1,000 calories a day, that doesn't become a deficit anymore. In my books, that becomes starvation because you are not giving your body the nutrients it requires in the proportion it needs. So your body will require protein. You might be eating all of the macronutrients. You might be eating protein, carb, and fat. But if you're not eating them in the amount your body requires, then you're still not satiating your body. You're not giving it enough raw material to be able to function. So having a small deficit is good, but In the long term, doing drastic deficits like 1,000 calories off, 2,000 calories off, which are rather, rather extreme, you will find that your body will eventually um, 
it, it will it will lower its metabolism it will start to slow its metabolism down because it's not receiving enough calories your body will slow its metabolism down to be able to correlate with it because it it, it no longer needs it doesn't have as much energy to burn so it doesn't need to have a high functioning metabolism so your body you'll find you have a slow metabolism and when you finally start eating normal again you will find that you your 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 body's metabolism is so out of tune that you're going to start putting on weight really really quickly so and also just on a general level having such drastic deficits are not healthy for body functioning and you don't need to go to such extreme measures to sustainably lose weight and the key word there is sustainably yeah let me let me just scare all the prospective bodybuilders and athletes here if you're going to be caloric def- deficit, you are going to eat into your muscle tissue. And that is a fact. And that is one of the biggest worries of everyone who does go on a caloric deficit. It's to go slow and go low. You don't want to have a strong caloric deficit. Otherwise, like we just said, you would have depleted all your glucose. After the glucose, you break down some fat. But at the same time, you'll start breaking down protein to form amino acids so that you can eventually make ATP energy to still provide nutrients to the body. That's one thing. The other big thing is when you're on going a deficit, since you usually will be eating less fat than normal as well, you will have a lower level of testosterone. So those two things, eating away at your muscle mass and lower test are two big reasons where you don't want to go on a big extreme deficit, especially if you want to look shredded. Mm-hmm. But having, like you said, having a small deficit is is kind of required if you want to lose weight here or there you want to lose a couple of pounds but the key message here is taking it like you said taking it slow keeping it low that kind of thing because if you're doing it like it's a marathon and not a race you're going to get sustainable results that stay with you for a longer time and it gives you that freedom to be able to have those cheap days where you can eat that you know extra slice of pizza have a slice of cake you know those extra days nutella pancake you know just giving out some good recipe if you, ideas. If you, if you look at Prithvi's, <laughs> if you look at Prithvi's diet for the amazing shape that the guy is usually in, and the <laughs> amount, of, amount of <laughs> don't see me in winter, and the amount of, and the amount of shit he eats. If you look at it, just doesn't add up. This guy is obsessed with Milo. Is obsessed with Nutella. I have a Max Brenner butter. chocolate lick in my fridge right now. I'm about to eat it after this. You know, <laughs> so they, it, it's just testament to the fact that it's just about playing around with the calories. I think, I think not... 90% of our audience just left. <laughs> WTF, <laughs> these guys eat chocolate and they're talking about diet. <laughs> but like I think that. it brings me back to one of our four stone principles here. It is, and you've mentioned it before, Prithvi, it is eat in proportion yes. and eat till you're satiated. Sunny, Don't I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. What is the proportion? What is the okay. percentage of my plate that should be carbs, protein, and then veggies and fat, etc.? So let's imagine a circular standard dinner plate. Yeah. If you want a rough gauge of what proportions you should be eating in, um, two-thirds of your plate, or maybe let's say 60% of your plate should be some source of protein. Fill it up with some source of protein. This can be, car- uh, this can be um, eggs, to- tofu for our vegetarians. It can be chicken, steak some source of protein and then 20% of your plate, 10 to 20% of your plate should be some kind of dietary fiber. It should be something like some fresh veg, um, some, some greens, um, 
these all have some really, really high amounts of dietary fiber in them. And they also have healthy, unsaturated fats in them. And then your last kind of 20% has to be some source of carb, has to be, you know, um, pasta, brown rice, some source of healthy carb. Some complex carbohydrates are always really good. What I mean by complex carbohydrates are carbohydrates that just take a longer time to get broken down. Things like brown rice, um, things like quinoa, they take a longer time to get broken down. A simple carb might be something like sugar. Yeah. Sugar is a simple carbohydrate. So mm -hmm. having, having a healthy source of carb in a 60-20-20 kind of rule, 60% protein, 20% dietary fiber slash fats, 20% um, carbs, splitting your plate to look something like this is a really, really good ballpark estimate to get what proportions you should be eating. Mm. And the next point on this is to make sure that you eat not till your stomach is full. Don't eat till the point of eruption. And I know what that is like because coming from a brown family, you're expected to eat till the point of eruption. But if you eat to Looking the point pregnant where is the goal, Indian culture. Looking pregnant Indian is culture, the male is the goal. <laughs> but eating to the point of satiation, eating to the point where your body has got enough nutrient to function, now that's gold standard there. So just speaking on proportions, why this works, or uh, probably a, a testament to why it works is um, Mediterranean diets. Now, Mediterranean diets are touted as the ultimate diet. It is, it, is, it is seen as the perfect diet out there, the healthiest diet in the world. And the reason is, is proportions and macronutrients. It encompasses all the macronutrients. It's got um, a high amount of uh, healthy fats, so olive oil. It's got healthy carbs. And it's got really, really lean cuts of protein. Um, it's also so you will find that the uh, it is a diet which encompasses all the macronutrients in the proportions it's required, and that's what makes it such an amazing diet. And it's just testament to this cornerstone principle is ours that there are no bad macronutrients out there. Mm, right. I guess I, I just want to add a few things onto that. So first thing is with the protein. I guess if you're not exercising at all, aiming for that 60% of your plate being protein is, is a tough ask. So you could even have 30, 40% of that, which is protein. If you're not exercising, you're sedentary. So you have a desk job and you just want to be on a deficit and stay healthy. That's completely fine. So you can adjust these percentages and you could up the carbs or the good fats in exchange for that. The other thing is with meat. One thing that you should realize this is something that changed my dietary behaviors altogether was not all proteins are the same. And this is in terms of health in general. And it's interesting that red meats like beef, etc., are at a very high risk of giving you colon cancer, which is the second most common cancer in the entire world. And cancer freaks me out. One in three people get in their life. So I, I ain't about that. So one thing I've tried to actively do, not for religious reasons, not for anything apart from medical reasons, is to cut down on the red meat. It's good for iron, but if you have meat, you probably are pretty set in leafy greens with iron. So I try to replace my proteins with more fish slash chicken. And the final thing I'll add is just with the carbs, a rule of thumb is if it is sweet, it is a simple sugar which means it's going to get absorbed and broken down very quickly because it's a very small unit. 
Whereas a complex carb like brown rice, you can kind of think of it as one link in the chain versus many links in a long chain. And that long chain is your complex carb. And since it takes so much time to break it down, the actual amount of sugar that actually ends up in your blood is a very, very slow increase. So you never spike that. You don't increase your risk of diabetes, et cetera. For sure, for sure. And that, for, the, for, for our viewers that hear this around low GI carbs and high GI carbs, Glycemic this is what we're talking index. about. That's it. Glycemic index. Low GI basically means that it, it, it is taking a longer time to break down so that your, the amount of sugar in your bloodstream post-meal is a steady release rather than if you were to eat something like white rice, which is a high GI food, you're going to find that your blood, your blood sugar levels will immediately kind of spike straight after the meal because it gets broken down a lot quicker. Yeah. So I think this, 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 just to kind of wrap up this episode, what we're really getting at here is fad diets aren't bad. They're not, they're not, the enemy here there are a lot of people that do fat dieting and do it well um you know things like keto high protein low carb there is a rationale behind why these diets exist even something like intermittent fasting and i know i'm bringing a new diet into this but for our viewers that don't know what intermittent fasting is intermittent fasting is a diet where you usually fast for six uh, have a fasting window for 12 to 16 or some people even do 18 hours in the day and they only eat for the remaining amount of that day. So they have a small eating window throughout the day and they rely on that eating window to get their calories that they need. And obviously there are so many, so many celebrities, even Terry Crews is a big advocate for um, intermittent fasting and the, and the man is, looks in amazing shape. So I'm not someone to say that intermittent fasting is bad. In fact, there are a lot of studies out there that have shown that having that fasting cycle is good for you in some way because it helps with insulin resistance so it prevents that insulin resistance insulin resistance for our viewers is um the cornerstone of how you develop type 2 diabetes so it's been shown that having that fasting cycle might be the solution to preventing type 2 diabetes um it's also been shown to have good effects on the brain in some ways um but it is all about making sure that and, 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 and I'm sure even someone like Terry Crews will still advocate for this because in that eating window, they still get the calories that they need and in the right macronutrient proportions, they're meant to get them in. And often you'll find, and this, this is what I want to really, really drive home here, is that fad diets as a whole, they're not bad, but you'll find that it requires a good amount of education, a good amount of learning what this diet is. What's its rationale? What, what are its pros? What are its cons? And what's the proper way to execute this? And finally, you should be asking yourself, does this work for me? Does this work for my body? Because not everything works for you. Just because it works for Terry Crews, it's not going to work for me. And, you know, just because a keto diet works for someone else, it's definitely not going to work for Prithvi because Prithvi without carbs is a very angry man that you don't <laughs> want to be around. So, and the hope <laughs> though, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no I, I agree no i guess if if i could reach a younger viewer and to just get the key points here what i would do after listening to this podcast is i would cut down my saturated and trans fat that's one of the first things i would do that's one thing i'd always be 
be very preoccupied with checking when you eat food you want to cut the trans and saturate it because the process of plaque formation in arteries starts when you're a teenager so you might as well build healthy habits now second thing is losing weight is caloric deficit 100 to 500 calories a day and a caloric surplus if you're bulking etc is the same gaining about 100 to 500 calories per day and you can do two things. If you're bothered, go get a fitness pal app, get a calculator, count everything. But if you're not bothered, follow Sunny's principles, which is eating the proportion we mentioned and eat till you are satiated. And just go from there. You will find out what works best for you in your, in your weight gain or weight loss or even maintenance journey. And final thing with protein is you don't need to overeat that. 1.2 to 1.7 grams per kilogram is decent and i stick to about one gram or 0.8 grams per pound that's a pretty good summary and i reckon that's a wrap so you know wishing our viewers a week where you know you're, you're putting some healthy changes in just remember there's no bad macronutrients out there and also remember why you're at it to give us a quick follow on instagram you know if you if you want to join in the discussion please do um Feel free to send us a message on the Instagram. If not, uh, send us an email, themedicfilter, all lowercase, at gmail.com. And join in the discussion. If there's a topic, if there's a point of this episode that you want to talk to us a bit more about, or you've got your own opinions about it, or you've got your own journey that's worked for you, uh, let us know. Let's have a chat about it. If there's more topics that you think you'd like to dis- uh, like to have discussed, let us know. And um, I reckon that's a wrap. Bye.